This is the Two-Tone Uncensored Podcast. Hosts Matt McCrone, Brian Moreland, and Glenn Lotzenheiser talk everything Tennessee Titans. This show is made for the fans that bleed two-tone blue. Justin Hartwig, and you're listening to Two-Tone Uncensored. Hi, this is Two-Tone Uncensored, Glenn Lawson-Heiser, coming to you with a public service announcement about the season of Stupid. This yearly event claims dozens of victims who could have prevented tragedy by just following a little good advice. What's the matter with you, boy? You too st- stupid to do what your coach tells you? Are you a football player? <laughs> Did you just sign a contract making more money than most of us will earn in a lifetime? Do you just want to go out and play? Don't look like a cat to you, boy. <laughs> Am I jumping around all nimbly bimbly from tree to tree? No, no. <laughs> Am I drinking milk from a saucer? <laughs> no. Well, do you see me eating mice? <laughs> hey, you stop laughing right now. That's right. This is no laughing matter. The month between OTAs and training camp is one of the most dangerous times of your life. You're young, you're newly wealthy, and possibly you're the most famous person you know. That's a dangerous combination and it can quickly go bad. The good news is you can still go out and have fun. You just need to follow a few simple guidelines when you do. Number one, you've been hearing this since you were a kid. Nothing good happens after midnight. We got arrested for being black on a Friday night. If you haven't found yourself a nice piece of ass by midnight, you need to go home, play some Madden with your boys, do something else, because obviously womanizing is not for you. Go home, make good choices. Number two, never let a strange girl pour your drink when you go back to a hotel room. I don't usually be kissing like that when I first meet someone. Or you're going to wake up broke, naked, and handcuffed in the shower. Number three. Leave your knucklehead friends who got nothing to lose at home. Worry about jail, man. What the fuck? You sound like a bitch. Bitch. Man, I ain't worried about jail. Shit, man. I, I, I don't give a damn about going to jail. You can take me to jail. Take, take me, me to jail. jail. Shit, knock me out. Knock me out. Go away, kid. Go away, kid. I ain't afraid for somebody who's at Number four. No matter how awesome the new car you just got is. Don't drive it anywhere where you might have a drink. You've just gotten old enough to drink. You're not smart enough to drive. Leave it home. Fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life, son. Number five, wear a condom. 18 years, 18 years, she got one of your kids, got you for 18 years. How hard is this? Seriously, wrap your shit. I'm not saying don't have fun. I'm just saying you only get one chance at a football career. Don't throw it away trying to be cool or tough. That's pride fucking with you. Don't end up on the street like this guy. Man, you got these bad chains. Sorry, bro. I'm all out, man. Man, I got these cheeseburgers, man. I don't want any cheeseburgers. Please, man. I sucked your dick. Now go forth, young man, into the month of July, free from responsibility, no practices, no coaches yelling at you. Follow this simple guideline, 
and you'll emerge ready for training camp with no court dates to distract you from doing your job. A job that most of us would seriously consider killing for. Seriously. If stabbing you in the back in an alley would land me a rookie minimum contract, you'd be bleeding out behind a dumpster right now. This has been a public service announcement brought to you by Two-Tone Uncensored. Message! You're listening to Two-Tone Uncensored, the home of the Tennessee Titans. Tonight, we bring you a very special episode. I'm your host, Ryan Moreland. With me tonight, folks, you are getting a very heated Matt Necrone. In a little bit, you'll find out why. What's up, Matt? Just another day, man. Fuck that. Also, you're getting a very neutral Glenn Lotzenheiser. How you doing, Glenn? Don't smoke crack. <laughs> Uh, and we're also going to be joined by a good friend of the show, Chris Newell from Titans in Truth on YouTube. How you doing, Chris? I'm good. Let's get jiggy with it. <laughs> very excited to have you on again, man. Uh, very excited. We have a really big show. We're going to jump right into the first thing, though. Just right before we came on the show, something happened, and, and it rightfully you know, pissed off Matt, pissed me off, I think, Chris and Glenn. Uh, are feeling the same way. So without further ado, Matt, you want to take us down this road? Yeah. Um, so basically, probably about an hour ago, somebody brought to my attention in, in one of these AFC South groups that a so-called Titans fan made a post that rubbed me the wrong way. And I'll, I'll just read it for you word for word. I'm a Titans fan, but let's be honest. Some of these idiots act like Steve was a damn hero. The reality is he was a just above average quarterback and a good leader on the football field. But in real life, he sucked. Now, there's a few problems I have with this. Uh, for one, he's in the Tennessee Titans Uncensored group for you know a few more minutes before I kick him out. He doesn't say something like that to our group. He says it to a bunch of Jags fans and, you know, I guess there's a couple Colt fans in the in America somewhere, but Steve McNair is a legend, for one, first off. I mean, I'll let you guys go in first. I'm, I'm still co- cooling down a little bit. I just spent the last 30 minutes basically going at this dude. But um, he badmouthed McNair, and that's just something you're not going to do as long as I have something to say about it. So um, if you guys want to go in on it first, that's that's fine. I'll follow up. I'll finish up on it. Yeah, I can I can jump in on it. He's just an above-average quarterback was the first thing that really stuck out to me. Um, when you're talking about a guy, you know, who was a co-MVP, took a team to the Super Bowl and was inches away from being a Super Bowl champion, had one of the best drives in NFL history. And still, in my opinion, it was the best drive a quarterback's ever had in the Super Bowl, even though he didn't score. When he's in the backfield, breaking two tackles in the backfield before firing a pass, it was gorgeous. It was the perfect you know, just a yard short on getting it into the end zone and winning the game. And then, you know, you know, growing up watching McNair, you always saw the pictures, you know, diagrams where they showed, you know, he has a sprained ankle, he's got a broken rib, and he's, you know, it's like a list of like 100 injuries, and he's still playing. You don't see that from a lot of guys at any position. And quarterback's a position that's kind of known to be a little, I don't want to say sissy, but a little, you know, you don't play with injuries nearly as much. You don't see linebackers. You don't see defensive ends play with those kinds of injuries. You don't see anybody on the football field stepping on the field with those kinds of injuries and that magnitude of injury. And and Steve did it week in and week out, especially towards the end of his career. I absolutely like a hero. And I know he had the you know the off the field stuff. It's one factor. And I know it's you know what he did obviously is not right, and I'm not endorsing it in any way. 
But you look at all the other stuff he did off the field, all the stuff he did for Nashville, all of the volunteer programs, all of the stuff he did outside of that. It was you're just looking at one thing and calling him a bad person, and I don't think that's really fair uh, because of all the other stuff he did. You know, for the city of Nashville, for this team, for the community as a whole, I think outweighs the fact that he might not have been, you know, the greatest guy in his marriage. That's just my opinion, though. I don't know. It really pissed me off when I saw it, too. Just, yeah, I mean, yeah, he definitely was just more than just an above average quarterback. And I don't think you looking at one aspect of his personal life and basing that for your entire opinion of him as a man is, va- is fair at all. My main deal with this yeah. is this is the kind of opinion that you get from somebody who says, you know, Vince Young was a winner and the Titans did him wrong and that he, he would have been the greatest quarterback of all time if the Titans hadn't fucked, fucked up his career, completely ignoring all the other evidence. He couldn't play for any other team, couldn't even play as a backup for anybody else. This is just – it's that kind of stupidity that people put out there because they want attention, they want people to agree with them. They're just – somebody didn't get – hugged and kissed enough as a child, and now this is what we've got. Another brain-dead crackhead running around. I'm going to go a little bit more into this because this guy's an idiot himself. He calls himself a Titan fan. First of all, no real Titan fan is going to disrespect and desecrate Steve McNair's name the way that he did. And when I saw this, of course, I I told Matt on Facebook, I said, oh, we got to talk about this, get into this. Because, first off, I understand the whole thing off the field with what happened in his marriage. Are any of us perfect in this world? Absolutely not. But on the field, he was as close to a great quarterback as we were ever going to get so far. I mean, again, as you all mentioned, the Super Bowl. Even after that, there was a time where the Titans were 1-4 on the season. And Steve McNair and the rest of the crew They wheeled off 10 straight wins. They wheeled off 10 straight wins, won 10 of their last 11, got all the way to the AFC Championship game. Of course, they lost it to the Raiders, which uh, I think Tampa Bay won it that year eventually. But the fact that he led, didn't even practice at all in any of those weeks. He was just constantly hurt. But he led his team. He was a leader. He is a hero. And in my opinion, he's a legit Hall of Famer, in my honest opinion, with that. I know he doesn't have a Super Bowl ring to come with it, but for this guy to have the audacity to say this stuff, talking about, I mean, there's not a hero, idiot Titan fans, I mean, come on. If you don't want to actually respect your fellow Titan fans, then don't be a Titan fan. Go be a pussy, pussycat Jaguar <laughs> fan, or go be a Houston Texan, as some people have said it on some other websites I've seen. Go be a fan of one of those sorry tale teams and get away from the real Titan fans who are going to be there through and through. If that's, if that's the type of fan that you are, I don't want you around me because I might just get mad enough. I might want to kick ass myself for that. So this dude's an idiot. As Chris Jericho in the WWE would say, this dude just made the list. <laughs> yeah. I, first of all, McNair is a legend. I don't care, you know, what he did. Yeah, he had a mistress. Yeah, that ended up costing his life. That's not for this motherfucker to even speak on. He he's not he he doesn't have any place 
putting McNair in his mouth, really. Then another guy brings up, uh, he's like, well, how come we can talk about Avery Williamson and, and you can talk about other guys? Because Avery Williamson wasn't the face of the franchise. This dude was the face of our franchise. He made me a Titans fan. Like, that's that's why I'm here right now. He may not statistically have the stats. I agree with you. I think he should be a Hall of Famer. When you could say, how can you put somebody – now, Now this is a little off track, but – I'm 32 years old. I think Peyton Manning in his prime was probably the best quarterback that I've seen play live. You know what I'm saying? I think I think Peyton used to when he used to dissect. Now I don't like Peyton Manning. I'm not even from the Tennessee area. I have no no connections to Peyton Manning whatsoever. But I respect him to the point where I think he's probably the best that I've ever seen statistically and just how he used to dissect defense. If you could put Steve McNair as the co MVP with, in my opinion, probably the greatest. You know, I know he doesn't have the rings and all that, but in my opinion, he is probably the best quarterback that I've ever seen. So how is an above-average player even in that category? That makes no damn sense. But to even claim to be a Titans fan and talk shit about somebody that built the franchise pretty much, I mean, like it, it blows my mind. The one thing that I was thinking about while we're talking about this is you know, I don't. You, I think a couple of us have said this. I don't know how you could sit there and watch Steve McNair and and say these kinds of things. So it makes me wonder if this guy became a fan, you know, maybe when Vince Young came to the team or maybe in the last couple of years with Marcus and stuff. Like, I don't know how you could sit and watch week in and week out, you know, what Steve did when Steve was our quarterback and just say, yeah, you know, he's above average. Uh, that makes me think that he's become a fan later in, in, the, in the Titans era, like not early on, not with Steve there. He seems like he's one of these type of fans. Oh, you're with the team when they're good, and then you want to backstab them when they're not. And that's not what a fan is supposed to be. You know, like a lot of you have said, I became a Titans fan. I mean, I I watched the game. I was young. I watched the game where Warren Moon and the Oilers were, unfortunately, blew that lead against Buffalo. McNair and Eddie George got drafted, I believe, in back-to-back years, if I'm not mistaken. That was when I started becoming a fan. And I became a fan at that point. And then once they moved to Tennessee and to Memphis, where I was living, where that's my home, and I was hooked. I was hooked by that. I saw this young man come out of nowhere and become a man, a general. And he led this Titan team for many, many years, for a very long time. And even when we struggled, even, you know, after he was gone and went to Baltimore, the fans still showed him love when he came back. When he came back as a member of the Ravens, they did no fans disrespecting him. They honored him. They even cheered for him some, even though he was on the other side. You know, hate to see us beat Steve there, but we had to win the game. But they still showed respect to him then. And, again, I don't know what this fool is on. As far as I'm concerned, we shouldn't really waste a lot of time with this fair weather jerk of a fan. Yeah, for the record, for the record, though, I mean, you guys can say whatever you want in closing, but he is officially out of the group. I'll, I'll never see his face again. But this is a local Tennessee kid, too. I mean, I, he's, I don't know how old he is, probably mid-20s or something. But, yeah, it's, it's fucking ridiculous. Thing is, is anybody talking about Avery Williamson off the field? I mean, no, it's no. a completely different thing to question 
what Avery Williamson does on the field whenever he's not doing a good job covering a tight end and saying that McNair was an average quarterback or talking about his personal life. These are two completely different things. That's not even a comparison that you can make. And, you know, uh, as far as, you know, fans still cheering for Steve, you had no choice. Other teams, when I, when I would go to away games at other stadiums, the fans there, like even at Arrowhead, they were fans of Steve McNair. He, he was that electric. You know, it just, it, it wasn't that he was a running quarterback. He was the toughest man alive. He was playing out there with a cracked sternum when I watched him play the, uh, the Vikings yeah. in Minnesota. We had a cracked sternum already. And he got hit again, just got speared straight in the chest by a guy taking him out of the game. Their fans booed that guy for hitting him like that. That That's how much respect there is for Steve McNair in this league. Dude, one of a kind, hands down. There's nobody else like him. Never will be. Nah, he, like his heart, his leadership, he was built like a goddamn outside linebacker. He was patched together and still played every week. Nah, there's no one like Steve McNair. And, there, and like there wasn't before... And there isn't going to be after. He's one of a kind. He's definitely a hero. He's definitely more than just above average. That that I mean, I've said that a couple times now, but that really stuck to me when he's like that was how he opened, just an above average, and that really pissed me off. But yeah, I mean, good riddance to an idiot. And for anybody, I'm, I'm pretty sure if you listen to this show, you're probably already a member of the group. If you don't, if you haven't seen what we're talking about, I'm not deleting the post. It's going to stay up there for a while. So go check it out. And see how our guys responded to, and there's some good shit on there about just just all kinds of random shit. But definitely check that out. We never want to turn away fans, but if you're not, if you don't have a love for Steve McNair, then really this is not the show for you. Uh, just throwing that out there. But let's move on, guys, to the mailbag and jump into this. Josh Ebel, good friend of the show and two tone uncensored fan, Hall of Famer, asks. Who is the best QB under 25? And if you don't have Marcus at the top, where do you have him ranked? Marcus is number one. <laughs> Play it simple. Marcus is number one. I think top quarterback under 25. And I think he's just poised for a a tremendous season uh, to come out. He has a bunch of weapons with him. And I cannot sky's the limit for him uh, as far as I'm concerned. And, I've even seen some debates as far as people have talked about, you know, Winston probably coming in a close second, Mariota Winston, which one? I got to go with Mariota hands down. I think he's smarter, more accurate, knows how to lead. Silent but deadly is what I like to call him. He's a silent assassin. And so that's why I would have to put him as my top quarterback under the age of 25. Winston there second. And really some of the other younger quarterbacks, I haven't really seen enough to actually garner any kind of a, you know, comment on that. I just think they're the top two under that age. Yeah, I think, honestly, if Mario is not your number one, I don't know what you're looking at. Um, to me, it's a little different of an order. I think, I don't know if it's the personal dislike I have for Jameis Winston or or maybe I just, uh, I don't know. It, there's, there's something there that just doesn't sit well with me. I, I've said it before. If we had the opportunity to draft either or Jameis or Marcus, I'm taking Marcus every single time. But honestly, I think Dak Prescott's probably number two above Winston. And I'm not so sure that Dak is even, I don't know if it's the situation he's in or if he's going to flame out this season. But, I mean, he put up crazy numbers last year, and I don't think he's going to do that again. 
I would have to say Mariota has the brightest future, although Jameis is starting to get a team built around him as well. So it will be interesting to see. There's always going to be that comparison between the two. But if it's me, if I'm the GM, Marcus Mariota, 10 out of 10 times. You know, you always kind of have those two guys, and the first two quarterbacks taken are kind of tied together. This is one of the rare times where both of these guys are going to be really good quarterbacks. I don't like a lot of what Jameis Winston seems to be about, but he is also he just wants to play football and win. So I, I don't knock him down for personal issues. I like him better than I like Dak. I think Dak has the right situation for his skill set. I'd be curious to see how he would do with another team. But you can say that about most any quarterback. Marcus is obviously my number one hometown pick, but also, I mean, come on. He, he's got the complete skill set. He's also got just beautiful leadership. You know, as a rookie, he was telling guys to calm down and forget it. Like he's been playing this game for 10 years and these veterans who are all worked up are the ones listening to him and letting him put them back in their place. He's everything you want in a quarterback except for the loud vocal leader. But I don't mind him not being the loud vocal leader. We got Delaney Walker for that. You know, we got DeMarco Murray. Those guys can be your loud guys. Let Marcus just go out there and be that calm, even guy steering you through the storm. I'm going to agree for the most part. I think it's really close with between him and Dak, and I, I think that Dak's going to take a small step back this year. A lot of times when guys come out and they're run-first quarterbacks, they are good at first, you know, think RG3, think Colin Kaepernick, and then teams figure out their style, and then they have a lot of trouble after that. Marcus has gotten better each year, and I think he'll continue that this year and get better this year, and he'll continue to grow I think Dak's going to take a step back. Because if you look statistically, if you were just doing statistics and no analysis behind it, it would be Dak first. But when you look at um, where Marcus is right now and his development, how accurate he is, how lethal he is in the red zone, the kind of leadership qualities that he does has. Like Glenn said, he's not a, a vocal, loud you know, leader. You know, Don't be confused. He's definitely a leader on this team. The players on the offense look to him. How many times has he drove down the field to get that field goal at the end of a half or an end of a game? He has ice in his veins in those moments. He is clutch when it comes to being in the red zone, as we've seen throughout his young career. I would have to put Marcus first, but I think that right now Dak is close. I do think that I really do believe at the end of this year, and I don't hate the Cowboys, so this is not my bias or anything, but I think at the end of this year you'll definitely – you know, the consensus will be Mariota than Winston than Dak. I think he'll take it like a step back. And I think as much as I hate Jameis Winston, I think him and Marcus will take a, a step forward again this year because they both got better weapons. They're both maturing. So I think that that Winston Marcus, you know, rivalry, for lack of a better term, I guess, is going to be really good because I think we're just seeing the beginning of it because both of these young men are getting better. And I want to throw in something too. I want to throw in a quick nugget that I forgot to mention. I did forget to mention Dak Prescott. So to any Dallas Cowboy fans, forgive me, even though I can't stand some of you. But I would say, yes, Dak is probably a great product of the system that he was in, a terrific offensive line. And Ezekiel Elliott really did. Zeke did a lot of good work for him. So Zeke made his job a whole lot easier. Very similar to how DeMarco Murray made Marcus' job a lot easier, but that might want to watch out. Yes, he might take a step back a little bit with Marcus and, and Jameis, but I forgot to add, he better be careful of taking a step back to somebody else in his division by the name of 
Carson Wentz. Wentz is going to get better. Uh, he didn't have too bad of a first season under the helm in Philadelphia. And, you know, so he might have some, he might have some competition in his own division as far as a quarterback. So better keep an eye on that, too. But clearly enough, I think Marcus is at the top. You know, that's another funny situation. If you ask me, and, and we're kind of tied into the Jared Goff, Carson Wentz, you know, it's very similar to uh, Mariota and Winston. You know, if it's me picking these guys, again, I'm taking Mariota, and I'm taking Carson Wentz over Jared Goff every single time also. I don't understand how the Rams – I guess we can thank Fisher for this, or, or maybe it was Les Snead or whatever the dude's name was, the GM out in L.A. But to me, it's not even a, an issue – like. Again, 10 out of 10 times, I'm taking Carson Wentz over Jared Goff. And we got so much for that pick. I mean, that, it's it's crazy. And to think that they probably got the wrong guy is even funnier. Yeah, the fact that they gave away a fortune and set this team up for years to take the guy that everybody said, what are you doing? You know, that, that's It's so beautiful. It's, it's a Jeff Fisher kind of thing. I don't know if he made that pick on the quarterback. I don't get the impression he did. It kind of felt like it was the VY pick again, you know, Jeff got saddled with Vince Young. He got saddled with Jared Goff. Both of them ended up basically costing him his job. It's it's just it's interesting that that situation happened to him twice. I don't have any like yeah. official word, but I have heard that that was definitely a less Snead pick. I've heard rumors that it was definitely Snead, and it was something that Fisher just had to to eat. You know whether that matters or not. I definitely I agree. Wentz was I said on draft night. I said leading up to the draft, Carson Wentz is the guy I'd want. Although I said I wouldn't draft a quarterback in the first round uh, out of that group. But I said if I was going to, it would definitely be Carson Wentz. And so far in their careers, it's obviously Wentz over golf. But it's kind of poetic that you know the Titans get all these picks to really set up a fantastic team and to make a Super Bowl run. And it was all made possible by our not only our ex-coach, but by the team that beat us in the Super Bowl. <laughs> like it's, it's almost too perfect. Yeah, there's a lot of coincidences there. <laughs> and to make matters even better, we're going to personally get to see Jared Goff later this season toward the end of the year when the Rams come to Nissan Stadium. We'll get to take Jared Goff down personally ourselves and personally say thank you for helping us build the team that we have. I wonder if Jeff will be in attendance. <laughs> <laughs> Bold prediction, that four interceptions in that game. To be the guest of honor if he shows up. Yeah, I, I know he's not like I'm not calling for him to come back by any means. I don't I don't want him on our you know staff, but I still have a soft spot for Jeff Fisher. I don't care. I was behind him with the whole Vince Young saga and all that shit, and I understand that he's it's time for him to move on. And I wasn't upset that we did move on, but I still got a soft spot. If you look at like Ryan just said, all the little coincidences that have happened since then, and his. I don't know, you know, who made the call with what it, what happened, how it all played out, but Fisher helped out this organization in so many different ways. I agree. I definitely agree on that. He did. Uh, he was a big help in getting us to where we, you know, where we were at the time. And you know, McNair and Eddie George uh, was definitely big with that, uh, with Jeff Fisher at the helm. But to answer uh, Matt, I think it was your question or Glenn's question. I'm going to say the over and under is two interceptions for Jared Goff in that game. Uh, in here in Nashville, and I think Kevin Byers going to get one of them. <laughs> I'm going to say we get four, and Sims gets two of them. That's my bold prediction. <laughs> hey, be- wow. listen, before we jump off of this, I listened to 
Oh man, I can't remember his name. One of our former scout. Beddingfield. His name. It was just a, yes, yes, yes. I listened to that interview, and he was talking about all the different GMs that we've had in recent years, and who you know who he meshed with and who he didn't. We literally, you, you guys probably don't know this because I never knew this. We're we're talking about how Fisher got stuck with Vince and this and that. That same draft we had for our second round pick when we took Lendell White, we had. Devin Hester on the phone told him he was a Titan. And then that, that pick got taken away from, uh, and actually this is almost like a role reversal because whoever, I believe it was Reinfeld at the time, he was going to go with Devin Hester and Fisher and Norm Chow were screaming for Lendell white. So it's almost like a role reversal there, but we almost had Devin Hester instead of Lendell white. That would have been nice. Yeah, I listened to that interview, and when they were talking about it, it made your heart sink a little bit. Like just thinking about how much better the team would have been with Hester instead of Lindell White. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Wow, that is a new revelation in my eyes. <laughs> yeah, I, I never, I never knew that. All right, guys, let's move on to the next question here. Antron Russell writes in. In Tennessee Titans history, not Oilers, but just since we've been the Titans. What has been the most consistent player position for Tennessee? Okay, most consistent position. I would have to say, I would have to definitely say defensive line, uh, more so defensive tackle slash defensive end, has definitely probably been our most consistent position. Time and time again, we have had a lot of very good players along the defensive line. I mean, you got, you know, you got guys like Jarrell Casey now, and you also had Javon Curse, the freak in a 4-3, Kyle Vandenbosch. You had, of course, uh, Albert Haynes work. You had, I forgot his first name, went to my, went to my alma mater, University of Memphis. Uh, Tony Brown, baby. Brown. Yep. Yes, Downtown Tony Brown. Thank you. Yes, Tony Brown. Had him, and you had, you had Holmes, and you had a lot of great, he had a really a lot of good, solid defensive players. Kevin Carter, another one. Just solid, terrific defensive linemen. And I just think that was never a position we had to seriously worry about year in and year out saying that's a weakness. That was always been uh, one of our strengths of this team. D-line's one of the first things you think of. To, to go a different route, you could probably go line, but I'll, I'll switch it up. Maybe I won't answer what you guys are going to say. Tight end, I think. Frank Wycheck obviously started it off as a Titan. You know, we went through a few years with the Aaron Kennys and the Ben Troops who didn't do so well. But when we got Bo Scaife, he wasn't, you know, a superstar by any means. But he got the job done for a, a solid, you know, maybe four years. You look at Delaney Walker, what he's done since he's been here. When it's all said and done, I will not be surprised if he's known as the greatest Titans tight end ever. I, I really think if he comes here, he's got two more years, I believe, to play for us. If he puts up the numbers that he's been for the last two years, you know, in my book, he's going to jump Frank Wycheck. And I think between the guys we have coming in that's going to help him, you know, it's not all on his shoulders now. I know he's getting up there, but you look at his age. He spent years behind Vernon Davis in San Francisco where there wasn't a lot of wear and tear on those legs. So his, his body is not worn down like a, a typical 30, 31-year-old is. So, I mean, I still say he's got a good few years left of production, and I really do think that when it's all said and done, he will be known as the greatest Titans tight end. 
I was so confident that no one else was going to say this that I didn't research anything else. So I can't even switch off. I went <laughs> tight end as well. <laughs> uh, we've actually talked about on the show before about the history of tight ends with this team. You know, guys like Bo Scaife, uh, you didn't mention, but Jared Cook, he wasn't great here, but you saw what he did for the Packers in the uh, playoffs. You know, he, he was a guy who had the talent. He just couldn't put it together while he was playing for us. And then, you know, I was going right on that same rant with you. He was like, I love Frank, but Delaney's better. Delaney does everything better. And, you know, then we've got a young guy like Smith coming right behind him that Delaney's already said is going to be a great tight end for us. That, that tradition is going to continue. And I'm really looking forward to just seeing that young man develop while Delaney Walker is still here setting records. It, it's a great position for this team, and it has been for the almost the entire time they've been in Tennessee. I can't disagree with that one because, I mean, you know, not only you have that, but, you know, you got the head coach, Mike Malarkey, a former tight end. So, I mean, that's even more wealth of knowledge uh, about that position. And, you know, I, he heavily favors that position. So, I, I absolutely agree with that. I just had to uh, throw that in. When I first did this, I was thinking about going offensive line. But then I was like, I, I feel like I can't do the whole offensive line. That's, you know, kind of cheating. Um, so, I was like, do I do tackles or do I do guards? Because, you know, you technically have Bruce Matthews there at the end of his career who obviously is going to go down in history as one of, if not the best guard to ever play the position. And then, you know, we had good guards, not great, but really solid guards for a while, and good tackles outside of that. You know, Roos comes to mind. And then now you're in a situation where we have really good tackles and guards that have played really well, uh, but tackles definitely are our strength on the offensive line, for sure. I don't think anybody would disagree with that. So it was hard for me to go there. And and then it came down between two position groups uh, for me, and I was going to mention the both real quick, uh, but you guys covered both of them. I was going to say along the defensive line as a whole, you know, we've had a lot, you know, KVB, like Chris was telling you about, you know, now you have like Jarrell Casey and guys like that and Freak, you know, Albert Hainsworth. There's a lot of names that you can name in the last, you know, however many years it's been now, 18 years since we've been the Titans or however long it's been. And, um... And then at tight end, it just it seems like we always have at least a good tight end. And you know, like Matt said, there has been a couple that really didn't work out. But it's it seems like if we do have a bad one, it's a year or two, and then we have a good one again. Bo Scaife, who we've had on the show before, I really liked. He didn't put up like super flashy numbers, but the guy did his job pretty well. And you have to remember too, he did a lot of that with Vince Young, <laughs> and and Vince Young. Won games for us, but his stats were awful. If you go back and look, you know, so he really didn't have a quarterback, you know, throwing to him. Delaney's been spectacular. Uh, Craig Stevens, who just you know left the team a couple years ago, was really an underrated guy. How great he was at blocking, especially at the tight end position. I mean, it just seems like you always have somebody with wide check, and you go to both Scaife, you go to Delaney, and now we have a kid coming in, Johnu Smith who Delaney Walker has already said, he's going to be better than me. I mean, it just always seems like the Titans have really good tight ends. So that would definitely be one. And, you know, for, uh, I guess, like a little honorable mention, I thought about running back for a little bit because we had Eddie George consistently top 10 running back, you know, his whole career, top five for most of his career. You know, CJ, when he was in his prime, Chris Johnson was – mean you know I think he still has a record for most 
yards in a three-year span by any running back ever in NFL history. And, you know, we had like Travis Henry, you have DeMarco Murray now and Derrick Henry now. There, it, even when we weren't great at running back, we had pretty solid running backs up until you get towards like the Wisenhunt era, and then it, it really flakes out. But, you know, an honorable mention. They don't deserve to be at the top, but I thought I'd throw them out there. Yeah, let me comment on the running backs quick. You know, after Eddie George, um, I don't have it in front of me who, who exactly followed him, whether it was Chris Brown or whoever. Chris Brown, he, he was a guy that, you know, he played solid for a couple of years, was never anything great. He was too big, too tall, in my opinion, for, for a running back. If, if you guys recall, you probably don't. I followed him pretty closely in college, but Larry Johnson, who played at Penn State and played for the Chiefs, and had a great you know, short career but while you know while he was there was one of the top fantasy players there for a year or two chiefs took him with the the pick right before us and i was hoping you know i wanted him so bad i thought he would have been a perfect fit you know but we ended up getting chris brown uh ryan just talked about travis henry who i have nothing good to say about i don't think he was anything great but you know a few years later we got chris johnson you know after cj we had the worst running back core that I can ever remember maybe on any team with Antonio Andrews, Bishop Sankey and David Cobb. I mean, who, how do you put three of those guys together and call that a stable like that? Just that alone makes me want to cringe when I think about running backs, but you look at where we are now from where we were only a couple of years ago. It's amazing. Yeah. That, that yeah, running back was just horrible. I always defend Henry. Now nah, I have to do this a lot. He was only there for a little bit. Uh, but, you know, when he was on the field, at 14 starts, he had 1,546 yards and had almost 200 yards receiving on top of that. So if that was in one season, you're talking about best running back in the league or, you know, second best at the very least running that many yards. Uh, obviously, That, was, he did for, that, that was for us? Oh, yeah, yeah. In 14 starts, he had 1,546 yeah. yards. I always defend Henry because he wasn't there for long and – you know, injuries and, and stuff like that. But when he was on the field and he was healthy, he was ready to go. Dude balled. Was that yeah. over two was that over a two year span? Right, yeah. Fourteen starts okay. over two year span, yeah. I'm thinking how the hell do I not how do I not know that? <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was over two years. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't just he wasn't a great back. He wasn't a great back, but he was actually very, very solid uh in the small time that he was here. And I mean and as far as, like you said, Bishop Sankey, Antonio Andrews, that was just horrible. David Cobb had one good year. Granted, it was on Madden, and I rushed for 2,000 yards. I will say this about oh, David so Cobb. Fuck David Cobb. He agreed to come on the show and then bailed. So yeah. little tidbit for anybody that knows that. <laughs> so just let me tell you about David Cobb's story. Fuck David Cobb. There you are. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> Uh, great line. Great line. All right, guys, let's move on to the next question here. This one from Kenneth Wheeler. Which rookie outside of the first rounders do you think is going to have the biggest impact? Okay, rookies outside of the first rounders that will have the greatest impact. Well, right off the top of the head, and I know this is probably going to be everybody's pick, got to be K1 Taylor. I think that's the obvious choice uh, as far as who could have uh, a major impact. He'll basically be able to do what Kendall can't get right, could not do, and that is be that weapon in the middle of the field. He could stretch a defense with his speed, and I think with Corey Davis, 
Marcus Mariota is probably just salivating the opportunity to throw to these guys in a real game. So I would just say right off the top of my head, it has to be Taewon Taylor, uh, in my honest opinion, uh, as far as uh, that. Now, another guy, a dark horse I want to throw in, I would probably say um, maybe not right away, but I would say Jayon Brown. He may be a guy, maybe not this year, but I would say within the next year or two, definitely could be starting uh, in the middle linebacker spot alongside Avery Williamson for years to come and may even have it by the end of this season as a very solid linebacker. I mean, the coaches have had nothing but positive things to say about him and have really thinking that he could definitely contribute and maybe even contribute on defense right off the bat. Definitely. The, the easiest answer, I, I, let me just start off by saying it like this. I think this season – the answer is Taewon Taylor. I think he's going to be one of those sneaky, you know, if you're talking about fantasy football, PPR kind of guy, you know, it's the off season. I got fantasy on the brain. I've been, I've been getting my leagues together. So that's, that's where I'm at right now in, in July. But uh, as far as an impact goes, like if we're talking this season or we're talking career outside the first round, I think Johnny Smith is going to have the greatest impact for years to come. I do like Jayon Brown. I, I agree with everything Chris said. I think he is that dark horse guy that, that is probably going to be one of our uh, impact players probably in years to come. But when you look at what we have right now and where we are, I think Taewon Taylor is going to get a lot of action this season. I, I will say this. For dark horse candidate, I think Jayon Brown would be my answer as well. I think you're right there on that. I will have a different answer, though. I think I'm going with John New Smith. For who's going to have the biggest impact. And I won't say, if it was just who's going to have the Im- biggest impact this season, I think you got to go with Taewon Taylor. Obviously, he's going to get more reps. You know, I think he's going to be on the field more often. But, you know, Del- Delaney Walker, I think, has only been wrong in anything that he's ever said once since he's been a Titan. And the only time he's ever been wrong is last year. He said, we need to get older. We need to quit drafting offensive lineman we need to get some veterans along the offensive line now we did go and we got you know obviously our veteran center and ben jones but we went and drafted another tackle and ended up working out gangbusters for us. so it's the only time he's ever been wrong everything else he says not just on the field this is just what it comes out of his mouth he's a very smart man um and knows the game of football and i don't think you guys would disagree with that he's already came out and said this kid's better than me John Smith is going to be better than me in this league. And yeah, I trust him. I, as much, and you know, he's been with this team. When he came here, we were awful. And he's never said anything that I really disagreed with. That was, And at the time that he said the one thing that he ever said that was wrong, I agreed with him. <laughs> but but obviously, we were both wrong. I, but I think it's going to be John Smith in his career. The kid's athletics. You watch the tape, man. And he's just, he. you know, everybody always likes to say with every tight end, He's too big for a corner. He's too fast for a linebacker. You know, everybody always likes to to throw that out there. Or too big for a safety, too fast for a linebacker, whatever. This is exactly what Jonu Smith is. He's too athletic and too big for anybody on your defense to, you know, cover all game long and be effective. There's no way. There's nobody on a defense that that has that like that size and that speed. He's he's going to be one of those guys that is a matchup nightmare for years to come, and, I, and right now he's going to set behind one of the best 
tight ends in the league and get to learn from him. So, you know, you have all the stuff, all of everything that you want. Now you're going to get, he's getting lectured and taught by one of the best in the league. There's no question. I have very high expectations for Johnny Smith. So that's my answer. Yeah. One of the admins on the group, Chris Epps, he called the Johnny Smith pick. He said, this has to be him. He has to be the pick. And I agree as far as in the future, but I don't know about this season. If we're saying this season outside of the top two guys, I'm going to go ahead and go with Jayon Brown as well. I think that he's going to come in and he's going to have a chance to play coverage. Uh, it's it's something our defense linebackers, they, they really lack the ability to man up on tight ends. And just even good zone is not really their thing. Uh, we have a bunch of good tacklers. We have you know guys who can get after the quarterback. He's going to come in here and play some pass coverage for us. And it's something that we really, really need. So he's going to get a chance to shine this season. Okay, and I want to throw in one other thing, just a little small, uh, another dark horse nugget. Maybe not so much this year. I would say a small piece of impact. If he does this right, Keflani Muhammad, the seventh-round pick, maybe not necessarily as a running back, but he could be something as a kick returner if he gets that job. I know most likely a Dory's going to be definitely probably going to be our punt returner, but as far as kick returner, it'll either be him or probably Muhammad coming out of that. So as far as that small nugget, even being a bigger help on special teams as well. So kind of want to throw that in there. And that's what I'm rooting for. If that means that we can get him in there and Eric Weems off the team, I'm all about that. That's what we want. Yeah, and tell the truth. You just want to put him in there as tailback on Madden. That's, that's all this is about. <laughs> You want to have that crazy, <laughs> stupid, fast tail back on Ben. That's that's all you're really after. Dude, he's just a perfect change of pace. I, th- I mean, like I said, I, I'm not a big Pac-10 guy. I don't. I've never watched him live, but the, the highlights I've seen, I get excited watching him. Like he's so different from what we have, and I think we can really use him in certain situations that is going to excel us over the top. And and I want to see him stick around. I really hope he does. On Madden, get a little bit of Henry and a little bit of Muhammad. Get that thunder and lightning. That's exciting. <laughs> but I, from my opinion, I think that, and I, I don't, I'm not trying to throw shade at any Titans player. Obviously, I wish him nothing but the best. But I think that Kalfani Muhammad is the guy that everybody's getting way too hyped about too early. I just, I don't think he's gonna be, you know, the kind of piece that everybody expects him to be. He, you know, he puts on a really great highlight film. But I, he's just so small. He's going to be fragile in this league playing at that size. I, I don't think he's going to have a long career, and I don't think he'll have a very successful career because of that size. And, you know, obviously I hope I'm wrong, but I, I just don't see it right now. Let me ask you this. Do you think he outlasts Jake Locker? How long did Jake go? Was four, years. four years. Four years. He did his, did his rookie deal, and that was it. Four years. Um, No, I'll, I'll say no. I don't know if he'll be a Titan after four years, but I think he will be a oh, Titan okay. for at least, at least four years. He's okay. not going to – he's going to be in the league. He's not going to get hurt and because of the size. Dude, I mean, yeah, he's short. He's It doesn't mean he's a, a stick. He's he's built. The dude's going to – you know, he, he's played Pac-10 football. I'm not saying they're the SEC, but he's taken a hit before. I don't think he's just going to get hit and, and, you know, never play again. Yeah, and Matt lifts with him, so you know he's stacked up. There you go. He's definitely muscle bound. He's definitely like he's not a shrimp by no means, but he's still tiny. I mean, he's he's gonna get hit by guys that are easily one hundred pounds over him. He's gonna get hit by guys that are 
quick and fast and 50 pounds, Dude. 70 pounds heavier than him on a regular basis. Every guy that hits him is going to be like 50 pounds heavier, heavier than him. Yeah, but but here's the thing. We're not using him on a regular basis. And you look at guys like Darren Sproles, same situation. Yeah, he's a little heavier, but it's the same thing. He's got guys 100 pounds heavier hitting him. Just like Mike – well, Mike Tolbert's probably fucking weighs as much as a D-lineman, but he's a little <laughs> guy too. You know what I mean? Like it's the same – it's the same thing. Like we're not well, using height, him it, it means – height doesn't mean as much. It, it's the weight factor. And, and he is – he's a, I mean he's a decent amount smaller than Darren Sproles. But, and Darren's been lucky, but Darren's had a little bit of, of the injury bug throughout his career. None of those guys don't have the injury – like Deshaun Jackson, any of those guys that are small – always play with that injury bug. It's going to be part of their career. You know, Percy what, Harvin comes to mind, but he's even smaller game, than those guys. Like, that's Percy what Harvin, me. No, no, no. Percy Harvin is a headache. He gets he gets migraines. You can't put Percy Harvin in that category. He gets well, migraines. I'm, I'm just saying. Different. Well, I understand, yeah. but every player fights injury. That's part of the game. You know, I understand he's I agree. smaller than your typical – NFL running back. I, I get that. I understand he's going to take hits, but he's not our third down. He's, he doesn't play three downs for us. He's, he's going to be a situational guy. He's going to be able to take a hit. He can hit people. Have you watched his highlights? Right. I've, I've watched his highlights. Everybody <laughs> he can, that's going to hit him is bigger, faster, and stronger than anybody he's gotten hit by, though. I mean, that's I, the fact. I, under, and he's I understand gonna, that. The most of his reps are going to be on punts and kickoffs where the most violent hits happen. You're right about that. However, every 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 returner is a lightweight that can run fast. So, but like I bet you'd be hard pressed to find even three guys in the NFL that are lighter than him that return. Let me let me ask you this: Do you you feel more comfortable with a Dory Jackson not getting hurt than Muhammad? I mean, it's like the same thing. I I don't. I think Muhammad's more likely to stay healthy on a kick return hit than a Dory Jackson. Oh no, I disagree with that because of. I mean, like, one, you're talking about a guy that has a finesse, a finesse player and a guy that, that lays into tacklers. The guy well, runs the guy people that, over. The guys that lay into tacklers get hurt yeah. off more often every time. I mean, it, the physicality is obviously something that you want, but it comes with more injuries. And, like, some guys are built better than other so, guys, so it's not always com- completely translated. But physicality leads to more injuries more often than not. Uh, so I would rather have the guy that knows when to run out of bounds or knows when to, you know, to take a lighter hit, knows how to take a hit. The guy that wants to run straight at the guy, especially when he's like a buck 70, and I know he's not quite that small, but he's close. That's the guy that's going to have a one-year NFL career. I wonder if you're Zach or Austin in this argument. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah, I do that. Yeah, to do that. Now I will say I will say this. Now I agree. You know, the size is going to be a little bit of a factor. Maybe not too much, but it could be a little bit of a factor. But I want to put everybody's minds at ease on this. Kaflani Muhammad isn't he just going to be better than Bishop freaking Sankey at least? <laughs> Can we right. at least agree on that? I'll concede that point for sure. <laughs> <laughs> that small concession. <laughs> Yeah, it yeah, I'll still give you that. fucking kills me. The first running back in that class, Kagan, that fucking still burns me. Yeah, that that was rough. Um, yeah, it's, it's I don't know, man. It's it's all those Webster picks, man. It's just, you just go through, like Glenn always says, it's entire hey. drafts. 
You know what, though, and, and I'm not a Webster, uh, Webster supporter, but after listening to the scat, that uh, betting field interview, you know, he made some good points. You know, they it's crazy to think that he actually had a lot of good things to say about him as a scouting. Uh, I don't know. He he's he basically broke down each GM that we've had and pointed out their strengths and their weaknesses. And he called Webster one of the greatest scouts he's ever seen, which blows my mind. But at the same time, I mean, I guess it's because I'm sure Wizenhunt had a part in it as well, although there's been speculation that Wizenhunt didn't want Mariota. So I, I don't know exactly the, the truth behind that. But Mariota is a Webster pick, whether we like that or not. Yes, he took DGB as well. I, I think Mariota basically fell in his lap. Like, how do you not take that pick, especially when Tampa fucked up ahead of us to take Winston? It's it's crazy to hear the things because I've never heard before this interview, and this is a guy that's been hands on with all of our. Uh, I believe he's dealt with four of our past GMs, with all the way back to Floyd Reese up until now with J Rob, and the guy's not currently on the team right now. But so you know, he he kind of told all. But to hear him actually, he didn't really have much bad to say about Webster, and I guess that's kind of like a you know, as coworker type deal where you don't really want to badmouth anybody, but you know. It's easy to say that, you know, he picked Zach Brown in the second round. He didn't work out for us. Well, he did work out in Buffalo. We'll see what Zach Brown does this year in Washington. Some players just don't work out. When you have a, a head coach like Wisenhunt, where it's his way or no way, some players just aren't going to work out. Akeem Ayers, we had high expe- expectations for him. He went to New England, didn't really do much. But, I mean, he played for New England. He got a ring. So, I mean, you know. It's not always as plain as day as it seems. You really got to look into certain things and, and, and who who meshes with who and, and you know how everything works. But I don't know. It, it was just a really – if you guys haven't listened to that, you need to check it out. Yeah, I did listen I mean, to it. It, it, it fits the system. I mean, that has a lot to do with it. But you, when you listen to that, I did get a little bit of a sense that, you know, J-Rob's the guy that let him go. And he didn't have anything bad about to say about J-Rob, but he was definitely the, the GM he mentioned the least. When he was talking, thought maybe it was a personal relationship too, but he did bring up a good point. You know, he's like, Marcus, that was a pick that Rustin Webster made. Lawan, that was a pick that Webster made. And, you know, he listed a couple of players who were like, all right, man, Webster wasn't all terrible. Like, he had a few, he had a few gems in there. Yeah, I mean, you know, you can shoot yeah. blind into a crowd and hit somebody. I mean, it's, it's going to happen eventually. <laughs> yeah, my some, dad some of those picks were just that easy. My dad always now, says a blind squirrel finds a nut every now and again. So I get it. I agree. I agree. And I, I will say this. Yes, he did pick Marcus Mariota. But let's be honest. Any one of us as a GM would have picked Marcus Mariota in that situation. So, I mean, that one, I can't really give that one to Webster because I think anybody would have picked Marcus Mariota in that situation. Now, Taylor LeWine that one was a shock even to me because, you know, we had brought back Roos and we had Stewart at the time. And I'm thinking, why are we picking another offensive lineman at a tackle at that? We didn't need one. Well, I was wrong on that one because, well, Taylor Wan has pretty much done everything that's asked of him and then some. But yeah. now I will say the look at in free agency, and I will admit this, it was, he did bring us Delaney Walker. We'll give him that one. He did give us Delaney. So he had a couple of nuggets, just not many. I was just saying, like Ryan said, every squirrel does, you know, finds a nut. But uh, 
you know, with Taylor Lewan, there's not one fan that was sitting there at, what was he, number six, I think? Or I don't even remember where we took him, but there's not one person that thought we were taking Taylor Lewan with that pick. Not one. If you thought, if you think we were getting, if you claim to think we were getting Lewan with that pick, you're fucking out of your mind. No one was expecting that. And I didn't, I, I wasn't mad about it, but it was just such a shock to me. I was like, came out of left field. Like I was not expecting that whatsoever. That was right around the time where we went and signed, this is one of his other, uh, blunders but when we signed Andy Lavitri to that big deal you know he was one of the top guards at the time coming out of Buffalo you know huge bust for us but uh that was right around the time we signed him so like getting an O-lineman was not even in my wheel I I couldn't even there was no way I was expecting that at all but again he panned out and uh he's one of my favorite Titans right now so Matt that's another good example of a guy that went on and did pretty solid elsewhere Lavitri had a pretty solid season for Atlanta and went on to play in the Super Bowl. Yeah, and he went to the yeah. right scheme. It's just another one of those exactly. things. So so many people played poorly for Wizenhunt that you can't hold that year against them. They should just put at, put an asterisk on that year and mark it off because he went in there and he told guys like, you know, Kendall Wright, hey, you're a route runner now. That's never been his damn thing. He, he was a freelancer who got open. That, that was you know what he did. And I'm not saying that Kendall's a great receiver, but there's no point in trying to make him something he's not. And that was exactly what Wizenhunt did. Uh, as far as the uh, Luan pick went, I'm not going to pretend like I saw it coming, but I was really happy with that pick because I had been bashing Webster for the last few years before that for ignoring the offensive line. So I thought him and Levitri were going to come in there and really change the nature of this offensive line. And you know, we all saw Levitri was awful for us. He, just, he couldn't get anything done. But yeah, that, that's all right. Uh, sometimes guys don't work out, systems don't work out. But anybody who had a bad season under uh, Wizen Hunt, you just like, all right, whatever. That's why I thought Warmack was going to be better after we got rid of Wizen Hunt. Then it didn't happen, and then you're like, okay, Warmack's a bum. Yeah, Webster's had way more busts than he had gems. But I mean, you know, listen, if you, I don't know how many drafts he's been a part of. If you give me that many drafts, I'm going to give you some starters too. So. <laughs> I've always yeah. said a good GM makes his money after the third round. Everybody could pick the first three rounds. We all know who those guys are. We all see the scouting reports. It's finding starters in the fourth round and later. And, you know, Webster did hit a couple of those guys, you know, real late. But he hit an awful lot of busts in the first, you know, three rounds, too. And that's the part that kills him. Yeah, Matt's 100% right here. Rustin Webster was wrong far more often than he was right. You know, he hit a couple... But that's what I think like really the beauty of John Robinson comes in is he comes in and he was able to see like, all right, we got a solid left tackle here. And this is like, keep in mind, you know, I don't know how you felt, Chris, but Matt and Glenn, I know all of us three were telling Lamon when he said, I'm a left tackle. I don't want to be a right tackle. We were telling him, get the fuck over it. Prove that you're a left tackle. And he did. And John Robinson saw that in him. And he saw, you know, obviously with Marcus, that was an easier one. But he saw the gems that were here. He saw pieces that were here. And he knew how to build around that to get a really quick jump back in to, you know, the playoff hunt. That was, like, the beauty of John Robinson. He saw there was pieces here. And then he ran with it. Yes. Yes, he did. (laughs) Yeah, no no argument here. I mean, he he took a team and with – uh, right now, we've done a lot of turnover. We've turned over the majority of our roster right now, which shows you how much work there was to be done. But he also took a team 
and said, you know, it won't take much to improve this squad. You know, you've got some good pieces here. So he he knew where the quality was. And then he brought in guys like DeMarco Murray that really improved the team as a whole. All right, last question in our mailbag, guys. And this comes from our very own Matt Necrone. He asked this on our Facebook page this week, and it was such a good question. I thought we had to bring it up. Uh, Matt, you asked, which four current Titans are the faces of this franchise? Well, that's that's cute, Ryan. I'm glad you threw that in there. I'm honored. Um <laughs> Yeah, and actually, I started it off with. I'll just go ahead and name you. You got to start off with Marcus. He's obviously number one on the list. I kind of went against what I would normally say. I think that uh, leadership wise, you know, I went with Marcus. I went with Taylor Lewan, Delaney Walker. Those three, you know, even though Marcus isn't the vocal leader, he's still, you know, one of the strongest leaders. Obviously, the face of the franchise right now. Taylor Lewan, Delaney Walker are the leaders in the locker room. And normally I think I would probably, you know, I'm not a huge fan of DeMarco Murray, but I did have to name him. He is the fourth. He came in and basically lit it up. And I don't think he's done yet. He's a great, great locker room guy. He's, he's been a prime example of what we want in Nashville. And, and he's done everything and more. I did say that with honorable mention, we got to throw Jarrell Casey in there. He would probably be my, in, in most cases, I would probably say him over DeMarco Murray, but I just feel like you can't ask more of DeMarco Murray than he's already brought to the team. So I had to put Murray in there. I got a lot of respect for Casey. He's, he's the odd man out in this case. But uh, if we were naming five, Casey would be my fifth. I would have to say, of course, <clears throat> Perfectly obvious has to be Marcus Mario number one, and I would definitely agree with Taylor Lewan and probably Delaney Walker. But my fourth guy, I would have to actually put, I would have to put Brian Ovatko as the fourth guy on there. Nothing against Darrell Casey, that one kind of is a toss up between those two. Either one of those two would be great, but I would have to throw Brian Ovatko ahead of Darrell Casey. In that mind, as far as the fourth, you know, face of the Titans franchise, because I mean, he's come in, been healthy, got a sack, been a leader, and he just does a lot of great things. So that would be my fourth guy, uh, definitely as the face of the team. Yeah, I don't think anybody's going to not say, you know, Marcus or Delaney. Those, those guys have to be on there. I went with Casey. He's been the consistent guy for years now. Uh, I get a Rackpo. Him coming to this team kind of signaled a change that this team had some promise and it made some other free agents take a look at us. But Casey's been here, and you know, when, he, when we were running a 4-3, he was absolutely dominant. And we switched to a 3-4, and he's still a beast. It's just he's not in a position that allows him to rack up stats. So people don't talk about him as much. But you know, Casey is one of the very best defensive linemen in the league. Period. And I just, I love the dude. And then I made DeMarco Murray my other guy. Uh, just I mean, in one season, he's come in here. He's changed the entire attitude of the offense, not just by being here, but by telling the offensive linemen they're doing things wrong, by, you know, adjusting other guys' routes, adjusting their attitudes for that matter. Uh, he comes in here, he plays with heart, he plays with love. I mean, you, the, the dives into the end zone, all of it. You know, he and Delaney Walker and Marcus. You put those three guys together, and you've got a highlight reel. 
every game. One of them is doing something spectacular. So they're definitely, you know, faces of the franchise. Marcus is obvious. And, you know, Marcus is the obvious pick. He's a quarterback, not only that, but very successful quarterback has to be on the list. Uh, the next one I went with is Delaney Walker. He's He was there when we were shitty. He was, like, the one thing on our offense for a while that we were happy about. Has to be one of the faces of our franchise. Then I went to Marco Murray because of what he's done and his time here. And not only that, but he's really embraced um, Nashville. Not only, you know, just playing here and playing well, but he really likes being in Nashville. You can tell. Actually, a pretty big country music fan, too. Uh, so he, he definitely loves being in Nashville. And then I went, it was hard here. You can go, Rackbo. I went with Casey because it's almost the same thing with Walker. You know, for there was a few seasons where we had, you know, Delaney and you had Casey. And, you know, outside of that, you were kind of like, well, you know, we're rebuilding. <laughs> we got two guys. Um, and it was that for so long. I just felt like I had to include Casey. And, you know, just outside of Aaron Donald, he's the best interior defensive lineman in the league, in my opinion, hands down. My four would be uh, Mariota, Casey, Walker, and Murray. Lawan hates you, Ron. Yeah, uh, Taylor Lawan. I wanted to add him. <laughs> Obviously, Lawan's had a great, you know, young career. He was good last year on a really bad offensive line for the most part, and then he was great this year. But you know, to put him over Casey, who has been great, what four years, five years now, however long Casey's been here, he's been great every year. I just felt wrong to me, and I know Taylor Lawan had like an All Pro. I know he got snubbed in that, but I still think an all-pro type of season at left tackle. I I had to put Casey because he's been doing great work for us for many years. Lawan has had a couple good years and one great year. And Casey, in my opinion, has had several great years. Absolutely. I definitely agree. I definitely agree with that. I mean, Casey, Casey has had, he's been phenomenal basically the whole time he's been here even with the position switch, uh, which probably definitely, as you said, put him out of position. But, I mean, he's been a constant terror uh, on the defensive line. And he's a guy that you really just have a hard time blocking. So, you know, get ready for another season of 99 problems for most offensive lines. I like that. I'm definitely stealing that. That's good shit, Chris. 99 problems. I like that. All right, uh, we're going to jump into a quick commercial break. When we come back, we have something very exciting for you. Uh, We did a kind of an expansion draft idea based off the NHL. We'll explain more when we come back. Thanks for listening, and we'll be right back. Hey, Titans fans, you've probably heard us talk about the group page several times on this show, and I'm sure you're wondering what we're talking about. Tennessee Titans Uncensored is a Facebook group page that was built by Titans fans for Titans fans and was founded by our very own Matt Necron. If you're a Titans fan that's looking to talk about the latest Titan news, then this is where you need to be. And you can help me shit talk to crackheads. Because nobody likes crackheads. That is Tennessee Titans Uncensored on Facebook. Tighten up. Hey guys, you've heard us talk about Hang Ten Apparel before on the show, and if you haven't checked them out, then you're truly missing out. 
Hang 10 is the one place to find unique Titans gear that you will not find anywhere else. Whether it's a Maragoda hoodie, a Mahalo Etch of Boy t-shirt, or Mike Keith's Music City Miracle Call on a sweater. There are no flags on the field! It's a miracle! The only place to find it is Hang 10. Just go to hangtn.com to find all this great gear. And while you're there, don't forget to use our promo code 2TONE to get 10% off any purchase. That's hangtn.com, the official Titan shop of Two-Tone Uncensored. Tighten up. You're listening to Two-Tone Uncensored, brought to you by Podbean. Hey, this is Bo Scaife. You're listening to Two-Tone Uncensored. Tighten up. All right, welcome back, folks. We're going to jump into this right now. So to explain it to everybody who's not familiar, the expansion draft. In the NHL, obviously, they came up with a new team, the Las Vegas Knights, as the new new addition to the NHL. So they had an expansion draft. So the idea is every team got to protect so many players. So you protect your stars, and then they get to draft anybody they want that's not protected. And you can only protect so many people. So we came up with the idea, what if the NFL decided to add a new franchise and they were going to have an expansion draft, who would we protect on our team? And so we came up with the basis that you could protect five on offense, five on defense, on the offensive side of the ball. Who are you keeping? Most of us are going to have the same set of guys here. You got Marcus, uh, the Lawn, Conklin, and Henry. Uh, you know, Some kind of combination there. If you, take, you take Henry over Murray – just because he's young. The two tackles, you can't go wrong with that. You have to have somebody to protect Marcus. You know, so, so that's going to be who you take, I think. I'd be interested to see if anybody's got anybody different than those four. After that, I took Corey Davis. I, I think he's got the most explosive potential of the receiver group. And that's where I'm looking after that because I don't think someone would take both of our tight ends. What, what One guy or the other is still going to be there for you. And John U. Smith isn't uh, Walker right now, but he's still got that potential. So if I'm leaving guys to build with, I'll risk one of my two tight ends before I'll give up Davis and the potential that he has for me because we really need that number one receiver. First, I just want to give credit to A to Z Sports who did this a little bit last week. They gave me the, the idea to, to come up with this. I, I think they had a little bit of different guidelines than we're following. We're just going to basically – out of you know, no restrictions, no rookie contracts, whatever the case is, we're just going with our top five on offense, our top five on defense, and who would we protect moving forward with this team? You do take the age into consideration, contracts not so much, considering we have a lot of cap space. So I'm not going with the contract route, but but you know, I'll get into why I'm talking about age here in a second. But like Glenn said, obviously Mariota is number one. You got to take his bookend tackles, Lawan and Conklin, moving on with the future with those two, even though he's unproven. And I, I know why Glenn took Corey Davis for that kind of same reason. I'm taking Derrick Henry. And my fifth guy, we're talking about age. I don't care how old he is. If I'm protecting somebody on this offense, his name is Delaney Walker. Uh, other than Mariota and maybe Lawan. I think Delaney's the most important piece of these this five. I think that despite his age, I don't care if we have him for two more years. 
those two years are in, invaluable in my mind. I think that he's that important to this offense, no matter how we run it. I think even if we if we do what we've already done in the past, where we know it works, or even if we open up our playbook and we we show different looks, I think Delaney Walker is a big part of that, one way or the other. Even with Johnny Smith on his back, pretty much, I think uh, he is still going to be one of the top tight ends in this league, and you know he's he's a guy I'm definitely going to protect. Okay. Now, my five, uh, I will probably say mine is about the same with one exception. Uh, definitely Marcus without saying, and Lawana Conklin, definitely. Uh, Delaney Walker, enough said. You've got to protect him because he's basically Marcus's favorite target uh, as far as in the passing game. But my fifth guy, I'm going to go a little bit different and probably against the grain of a lot of people. I'm still protected to Marco Murray, and this is why. I know we have Derrick Henry behind him, and I know he's younger. But given the fact that, yes, DeMarco's had a lot of wear and tear in Dallas, basically that year in Philly, let's just call it what it is, he took a year off because Philly wasn't going to use him right anyway. So he really kind of got the year off in Philly, kind of got a new sense of life here and refreshed the legs. And DeMarco is going to be one of the best running backs in the league, hands down. And I think Derrick Henry's just going to have to wait just a tad bit longer before he takes the reins. But I'm not giving up DeMarco Murray just yet uh, to any other team with the things he did with us. So those are my five. All right, so mine's a little bit different. It's really close to what, what Matt and Glenn were doing here. Obviously, Marcus, that has to be said. I went with both tackles as well, Lawan and Conklin. Obviously, you want to keep those guys an anchor of a really, really great offensive line. And then I went with Derrick Henry as well. You know, DeMarco would be awesome to keep here. But the reason I'm not is, I mean, how many years are we going to have DeMarco Murray left per- performing at the level that he can? Henry's more of the future. It's more, you know, protecting what's next. For me, I'm, I'm thinking more in the future than rather than this season. I'd rather have, you know, a dip in rushing this year than a serious hole at running back for the rest of the years to come. Uh, then outside of that, I actually went with a different player here, and I'm going with Jonu Smith. Uh, and here's my reasoning behind this. None of our wide receivers, to me, and you know, Matthew's had a really good season. I think he's a good player, uh, but I do think he has a lot of limitations. I'm not 100% sold on Davis still. Uh, I got to see him play in college, and I think he's a special player. I think we reached on him, though. I hope I'm wrong. I've said this on the show before, though. I, I'm not sold on Corey Davis. And, and, you know, outside of that, there's really nobody that blows your hair back. I mean, Eric Decker's nice now, but obviously age is a big factor there. Jonu Smith, like I said earlier in the show, Walker's already said this guy's going to be better than me. He's the young tight end in a team that really knows how to use tight ends also he has the athletic ability he has the size to be very dangerous he has he's I mean I think he's going to be just like Walker is for this team in the future so again this is another thing like Henry uh, instead of taking Murray and taking Henry I'm gonna take John New Smith and not take Walker because of the age how many years does Walker have left with this team um, and then John New Smith obviously part of the future 
that's an interesting take. I don't, I don't know that anybody else would go that route. I mean, I respect you for it. Um, I think if, yeah, (laughs) you're, you're you're flat out wrong, but, um, yeah, no, we, we, I don't know. That's an interesting take. I, I get why you're saying it. I don't necessarily think that anybody else would do that. If you're not not on drugs, right. If you're not, uh, if you're not taking Derek Henry as the young guy moving forward, you take Corey Davis, but you know, my personal preference, I think Derek Henry probably, well, I don't know. I guess it's really hard to say because neither of them have, have really proven anything yet. Uh, neither is Johnny Smith, but you know, I expect big things from him as well. But for me to take an aging guy at that same position, I obviously don't agree with you. Delaney's that important to this team. I don't know anybody that, that would argue that, but I understand you're, you're building a franchise and you're moving forward. But even if it's two or three years with Delaney, I, I think it's worth it. See, in my in my eyes, it my first list. I honestly, when I first started it out, I put Davis, and then I was like, "All right, now now I'll edit. Now you know what am I going to change? I, I'm just not sold on Davis. I'm not convinced that Davis is going to be the number one. You know that guy that's number one wide receiver on your team for years." I, I'm just not convinced. He he runs good routes, that's true, but I think a lot of the separation he got in college was due to the talent level that he played. I've said this before on the show. I'm a student here at Ohio University. I've gone to a lot of their games. We finished second at Ohio University in the MAC, and our corners were awful, terrible. So I can't speak, you know, I didn't get that heavy into the MAC, so I can't speak for every other team. But if we're the second best team in the MAC and our corners are just terrible, then I can't imagine that there's many teams in in our conference that are just you know that much better. I think Corey Davis was playing in a men among boys. Obviously, a guy that was recruited at big schools didn't have the grades to get there. You know that's the situation you're looking at with Corey Davis. So I, I just I have a little apprehension with him. I would rather have Smith than Taewon Taylor because of how we utilize the position. And I don't think Taylor's ever going to be a number one receiver. Um, no matter where he ends up, I just, he's a guy that it's fit for the slot. Uh, so that's why I ended up going with uh, Smith. Let, let me ask you this real quick and we can move on. But do you really believe that Johnny Smith will be a better tight, tight end than Delaney Walker? I don't know if he'll be better. You know, that's way too hard to say. You're talking about a guy that's been in the top, you know, five, at least top ten for every year he's been with Tennessee uh, at the position. So that, you know, you can't really say Uh, that. I'll take it a step further, though, man. Like, and I don't mean to cut you off, but when you just said the top ten, top ten, but other than, okay, you could argue, I had this conversation with my brother last week. He's a Bears fan. Obviously, Greg Olson's moved on, but he, he, he was naming tight ends that he felt were top five potential, whatever. So we had basically Gronk, Delaney, Kelsey, Olsen, and I don't even remember who the fifth was. But anyway, I would honestly – now, granted, I'm, I'm completely biased to Delaney Walker. I understand that. But at the same time, other than maybe Gronk, Gronk's got more talent. Gronk healthy is the best tight end in the league, in my opinion, hands down. No, no question about it but does not stay healthy. There's not any other tight end, including Greg Olson, including Kelsey, whoever, I don't care who it is, 
Uh, Martellus Bennett was actually the fifth one that he named. I would take Delaney Walker over any of those guys. Yes, I would maybe take Gronk over him, but he can't stay healthy. So as far as, you know, when you when you add up everything, as far as locker room, you know, everything as a whole package, I'm taking Delaney Walker all day. I have one thing. I will say this real quick. I love Delaney Walker, but I don't have a lot of faith in Cam Newton. Yeah, I know he had one great season. I don't have a lot of faith in his arm. Um, it's a cannon. It'll throw deep, not very accurate, as we've seen throughout his career. And then you have Alex Smith, who I think is an you know average, maybe a little above average quarterback in the NFL. I don't know. I don't know that I could take Walker over Olsen. I don't know if I could take Walker over Travis Kelsey because of you know the size, the speed. And I think Kelsey's a little bit of a distraction. I'll give you that in the locker room where obviously Walker's not, but Greg Olson's a leader. It would be hard for me to take Delaney Walker over Greg Olson. To me, yeah. that's not e- that's not even an issue. Kelsey, the only thing you can knock on Delaney is his age, but he doesn't even seem like he's that old. I agree. I um, I really think. I mean, obviously, Gronk uh, would be the top tight end in the league. I honestly would put uh, Delaney Walker maybe behind. You know Greg Olson a little bit, or maybe on the same wavelength, but I think he's ahead of Travis Kelsey, in my honest opinion. I mean Kelsey is good, but I mean we've really just heard of him recently in the last year or two. Delaney's been consistently good, you know, the last five years. He's been consistently good uh, as far as one of the one of the top tight ends in all of the league. So I would definitely put him ahead of Kelsey, maybe right behind. Uh, Olsen and Gronkowski uh, just a little bit, but I mean, extremely solid. Delaney Walker is the big time focal point of this offense. I mean, we probably wouldn't be where we are without him. All of the guys that we are talking about are elite level. We're talking about elite level tight ends. My point is, you're talking about Greg Olsen, who's six five, and Delaney Walker, who's six foot tall. That has a big factor, especially when, if you look at their 40 times, Greg Olson's like a step slower than Walker. So you're talking about a guy who's a lot bigger and only a tad bit slower. Uh, yeah, I'd have to take Olson. I love Delaney Walker. I'm glad we have Delaney Walker. But Greg Olson is one person I'd have to put above him. But Olson and Gronk I'd put above him. I probably wouldn't. Now, like, rethinking it, probably wouldn't put Travis Kelsey above him. But I would have to put Olson and Gronk above Walker. All right, but let's move on to the other side of the football here, guys. Who are the five people that you want to save, you want to protect on defense in our expansion draft? All right, so uh, we all know how I feel about Casey, and you know his tag teammate over there is uh, Arakpo. Those two guys on that edge, they control everything that happens on that side of the field, so you, you have to keep them. Uh, I'm not as big of a Morgan fan, and we don't have anybody to pair with him over there, so those two guys I'm keeping. Those guys set a tone, and... In my opinion, they really shut down what the offense does on that side of the field. So it limits the run lanes. It limits what you're doing with your blocking. They help take away part of the field. Uh, Taking away another part of the field, I would take Logan Ryan. Not that I'm a big fan of Logan Ryan necessarily. I think that you know we we paid a decent price for him, but I don't know that he can do as much for us as we need him to do. Uh, I I still say he's a uh, a nickelback, a a, a slot corner. He's, He's not the guy that I would put out there against another team's number one, but that's who he is right now. We don't have depth at that position that I trust, so I'm, t- I'm keeping Logan Ryan. 
after that, I'm going with uh, just youth and you know protecting the future. So I'm taking Adoree Jackson at that point. His return speed, his ability to make plays that we've seen in college but not yet in the pros, I believe that the potential is there that he's going to be special. So I'm going to keep him too. I'm basically keeping our two first-round picks. Uh, and then I'm taking uh, Avery Williamson. Uh, I've bashed Williamson a lot for his coverage ability, but he, he's a run stuffer. I, I think it, you put him on the opposite side of Arakpo and Morgan, I mean Arakpo and Casey, and you, you've still got a decent chance of stopping the run. You can still get a pass rush done. You're going to need help covering the middle of the field, but I think that you're going to have to do that with other people because our starters already are terrible at covering tight ends. So I, I kept Avery Williamson as my other guy. I agree with some of that, so I definitely uh, agree. I think I have a little bit different uh, of a list. I would definitely say Jarrell Casey. Mr. 99 problem, got to keep him. I mean, rushing the passer is his specialty. He does that better than a lot of other defensive ends could possibly do. Brian Poe, ever since he came to the Titans, he's been healthy. You know, um, like you said earlier, you know, you were just thinking he might get hurt again at some point. Uh, but he didn't, and he's been consistent. He's going to get you at least 10 sacks every year, and it is very consistent. He's always putting pressure on the quarterback and makes makes his life very difficult indeed with that. It's a premium position. I mean, it's one of the top positions on the defense. you got to pay him at some point. Also, my third one is Logan Ryan. I agree now, Logan Ryan, of course, I've, I've not been a fan of him since he was on the Patriots, who I just hate with a disdain as far as I'm concerned. I can't stand the Patriots. I never will like them. But I like Logan Ryan coming in with that Super Bowl pedigree, that championship pedigree that could, bring, that could be a leader at a very weak position of corner. So, I mean, that's going to definitely be beneficial. And then uh, Kevin Byard. I think Kevin Byard. You know, I, I said this uh, the last time I was on the show that I said Kevin Byers is going to be a Pro Bowl very soon, and I believe he's going to be the type that you you got to have him. you got to have him back there uh, as a free safety, as a center fielder, and he's the guy that's going to uh, get more picks and more interceptions definitely. Now, the last spot I did have a little bit difficult of a time deciding with, I was trying to decide between Avery Williamson and Derek Morgan as far as I'm concerned, but I think I'm going to go with Derek Morgan because, again, pass rusher is a premium. You know, that is a position you have to have. you got to have that position as far as rushing the passer and getting after the quarterback, and luckily he doesn't have to do a whole bunch of coverage. And, I mean, I like Williamson a lot. I think he's solid in the run game. He does have a little bit of a deficiency in the pass game, which, I mean, I put him at 5A and 5B, but I would say Derek Morgan has to go over Avery Williamson, in my opinion. So that, that's my five. Casey, Iraq, Poe, Byard, Logan Ryan, Derek Morgan. Yeah, defense was not an easy selection. It was a lot harder than the offense for me. There's no doubt about Casey's my number one guy. Very, very underrated on the D end. Also plays D tackle, very versatile. No question about it. Number two for me, when healthy, Brian Arakpo is a monster. Uh, he is that pass rusher. Uh, he's had injuries in the past, but played healthy last season. You know, knock on wood, 
He's going to be healthy for the rest of his career as a Titan. Dude's a monster. I expect big things out of Arakpo. We get to my third selection, and it's kind of by default, but I feel like he should be in that third spot. Logan Ryan, kind of like, you know, take the best situation and, and try to, you know, make lemon out of lemonade, I guess. He's not our true number one, but right now he's what we got. You got to lock him down. Kevin Byard is a guy that I obviously pick. And, and honestly, I think he is more talented per se than a Logan Ryan or even my next selection that I'll tell you in a second. But Kevin Byard, I'm with Chris on this one. I think he's going to be something special in years to come. Really high expectations for him. I think the addition with uh, Cyprian is going to really help him play that center field position. Uh, we haven't seen those ball hawking skills like we've seen that he had in college. I think those are going to come out. Pro Bowl selection is really just something on paper. If the kid plays like he's a pro bowler, that's fine by me. I, I really expect big things from him. Last uh, and not least, Adoree Jackson. He's he's pretty much, you know, we're counting on him to be our future as far as uh, an outside cornerback, versatile, maybe even use him on offense. He's got a lot of value to him. He's got a lot to prove to everybody. Uh, hopefully he can do that. In the beginning of our draft process, you know, a year ago, I think Ryan said before we started the show, we're on episode 60. I'm pretty sure, I don't know, around 25 or so, we we probably brought up potential cornerbacks going into the draft. Adoree, by chance, was actually one of the top ones uh, that I named anyway. I'm pretty sure Glenn was was also one of the others that talked about him. Now, granted, through through the process, he slipped down to maybe a second-round value in most people's eyes. But he's got a lot of potential, and I feel like moving forward, if we're locking somebody down on the corners other than Ryan Logan, I agree with Glenn for the most part. He is a slot receiver, or excuse me, a slot corner. Uh, we need somebody on the outside. I'm praying that Adori is that guy, but he's he's extremely versatile. We can use him in the punt return game, use him on the outside, and maybe even on offense. I don't know how you don't pick Adori Jackson. All right, so my list here. I have uh, Jarrell Casey and Brian Arakpo. And if you're, you're crazy if you don't have them. So moving on to the next one. Logan Ryan, you all guys have said it. It's not the pick that you, you really want to make, but you have to. You have to have a cornerback. You have to have a cornerback here. So I picked him. Avery Williamson's my next pick. Pro Football Focus uh, put out a thing about the best run stuffers. Who is in the hole most often? And Avery Williamson topped that list. He is a great run stuffer, and he's not good against the pass. So I feel a lot of us have knocked him down a little bit because of that, but he is a fantastic run stopper. I'd have to keep Avery Williamson. Next on my list, and I'm not as high on him as Matt and Chris are, but Bayard would definitely have to stay in my eyes. You're, I mean, he's a safety... And I am very excited this year. We brought in Cyprian, who was a run stopper. And Bayard had to do a lot of that last year. So I'm really excited that we brought in a guy like Cyprian that can go up and play the run. And Bayard can play that center field position. Matt, you know, I believe said that almost word for word. To see what he can do back there. And I think you have to protect him. And a big reason, like on offense, it was hard to pick because there's a lot of people <laughs> on offense that you'd want to keep. On defense, it's hard because there's not a lot of people you'd want to keep. It's almost the exact opposite. 
exactly. Not as good of a unit, obviously. I'm not taking a Dory Jackson in this, and I wanted to you know talk about it for a little bit. And because I'm not sold on him as a cornerback, he is very fast, and he does make plays with the ball, but he does get lost in coverage sometimes. He doesn't stick to where he needs to be. He's pretty raw, and I think you'd all agree with that. Pretty raw as a corner, and that just seemed like too big of a gamble if I'm trying to keep a guy. You know, if Bayer doesn't work out, he'll still be a decent tackler and a run stopper. And Williamson, you know what you're getting, a run stopper. And then obviously the other three we all agree on. I still think at worst, Jackson is a great return man, but I'm not going to try to keep a return man if... If that's his, if that's his floor, I'm not keeping a return man over a guy that's gonna help out on the defense. If I'm picking five players, it's just not that big of a part of the game as defense is. So I, the floor rather than the ceiling really um, affected my choices here. Um, but one thing I wanted to ask guys, and it, it popped in my mind next year in the draft. Okay. If we keep everybody, let's say nothing really changes that much on the defense. Would you rather have an elite defensive end that you can put on Morgan's side or an elite cornerback? I got to go elite corner. It's tough. We need corner so bad, but that elite pass rusher opens up so much for the defense as a whole. To take an elite player, I'd actually go D-end. Because you can have solid corners that play better if you have a stellar star defensive end rushing the passer. Yeah, a defensive end, he affects both parts of the game. I mean, you have a a stellar defensive end, he's going to help out against the run. So they can't run the ball, then they have to throw. That makes everything easier for the defense. And then you put him over there with Morgan, and I'm not the hugest Morgan fan, but he can get it done. And you, if you gave him somebody on the inside where you couldn't cheat off of him, then you know Morgan and Arakpo coming off the edge, and then an elite guy to go on the other side of an elite guy like Casey. No defense, no offensive line has got a chance. There's absolutely nothing you can do about that. That ball's gonna come out quick, and almost any corner can cover for five, ten yards if that's all the time you have to get the ball up the field. Anyway, uh, it, it doesn't always work out that way. You're gonna get burned by not having a great corner. And we've all seen a great corner can completely change a defense, too. Uh, just I think that the defensive end affects the run game and the pass game, whereas an elite corner, he, he's really, you know, like a Deion Sanders, that, that's not a run support corner back there, but you can't argue he wasn't elite. You know, he, he can adjust the way teams throw the ball, but an elite defensive end in this situation with the guys that we already have if they're rushing the ball, that completely changes the whole face of the defense. I completely agree with what Glenn just told you. and But to add on to that as well, with LaShawn Sims, with Adoree Jackson, we have some guys back there that could be, you know, obviously we're not all sold on this, but could be really good. You know, really great guys, guys that are very solid back there. I don't think we have a guy on this team at, at DE right now that I'm looking at that's I have that faith about that, you know, their ceiling is that high. That could be that guy. So that's another reason for me why I'm going to choose DE is because there's nobody on our roster right now that we could put over there 
that I think has that ceiling. I think Jackson, obviously, and Sims have that ceiling where they could be really solid starters in the league. Listen, basically, now, Jarrell Casey plays the D-end. I mean, yeah, he's a true D-tackle, and that's where I would put him personally. But he's been playing end for a little while now. But we don't have a true, like, you know, Javon Kirst-type player on the D-end opposite side. If we could get somebody like that, that's going to make everything easier for everyone else on that defense. Granted, cornerback is obviously our biggest need right now. It's kind of like a trick question on, on which way you go with it. But put it this way, would you rather put Javon Curse on this team or Samari Roll on this team? I think well, Samari Roll and Javon Curse. Come on, man. Well, but, you know, also, Javon Curse in this defense, he'd be an outside linebacker. Casey yeah. is a a four three defensive tackle. He's not a nose tackle, so he has to be a D end in the in this scheme. So it, it, unless we're changing scheme, you're, you're talking more of a a big powerful defensive tackle who can bull rush really well. I mean, uh, de- defensive end who can bull rush really well is probably what we're putting over there. I would love Javon Kersbeck. Don't get me wrong. I would happily you know move Morgan back over to the defensive end, even though he's undersized for it. I thought Austin Johnson was going to be that guy after the draft next year because I really enjoyed just what I saw coming out of him. And then he just disappeared through the season. He never seemed to get it. I'm really curious as to what happens with him, and maybe he can end up being that guy. But I've kind of lost faith in that, too. I have to agree with that, too, because, I mean, yeah, I know I said cornerback in the beginning, but definitely pass rusher does change the game on so many levels. And in this particular scheme, like, we're all talking about on somebody on the side of Morgan's side, but we also got to think at defensive end because Daquan Jones has really not given us much of anything to really go on. I mean, he's just a guy that's in there. He's not really making an impact at all um, as a defensive end. So, I mean, yeah, that makes it so that pass rush is much more needed than a cornerback, even though I – you know, I think the reason why I said corner was because that is the weakest part of our team. But, I mean, yeah, defensive end definitely because right now on that on Morgan's side, there's no defensive end on his side that really helps him out uh, in any ways, which makes it difficult, which makes it easier for teams to key in on him uh, as far as making sure he doesn't get to the quarterback. Yeah, Morgan is definitely working a whole lot harder for his sex than a rec pool is for his. I mean, and, you watch and, those two guys. Morgan is just killing himself trying to get to the quarterback, and you got to love that about him. But his success rate is low because he's getting double teamed. You know, people are able to drop off the line and go cover him because they know that Daquan Jones, for as much potential as that guy has, he's never shown it. I wasn't a big fan of the guy when they picked him. Even I've seen flashes from him where he could be that guy, but I don't think he's ever gonna be him. So Morgan is working a lot harder for every sack he gets. Yeah, in closing, I'll I'll say this. Morgan, it's very hard to call Morgan elite, but he could be like an elite piggybacker. I think if, if somebody's there to make him a better player, he'll take full advantage of it and he'll be the best he can be with someone great in front of him. I mean he, he could definitely he can definitely produce with help around, but if it's just him, you know, I I don't know what kind of production you're gonna get. We've seen it. <laughs> The one thing you guys aren't thinking about is um, your opinions suck, and I'm right. So, I mean, I don't know how to tell you that. But... <laughs> uh, no, but it was Ryan's a old swan song. 
<laughs> no, it's a great conversation, guys, and a great show. Um, so thanks to everyone for listening. Thanks to these guys for being on. Chris, thanks again for coming on, man. It's always a pleasure. Hey, thanks, guys, and thank y'all for putting up with me on that. And Glenn, I'm going to put it to you like this. The last time I was on the show, I think the other guys was trying to replace you with me, so I don't know what you might have to say about that. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I, I, I've you. quit at least five times this month already. So go ahead. It's true. It's true. He will not. He will not fight for that spot. I'll tell you. No. That. No. He's like fuck you. Fuck you. I'm done. I, I love the show. I love the team. But you know, if if you all feel the show would be better without me, then so be it. I'll go do my own thing and bury your ass. Oh, on that Chicago yeah, yeah. Bears podcast we were talking about, huh? Yeah. yeah. The Bears. <laughs> I can get drunk no. and talk about football with the best of them. No, you're, you're you no problem, man. You're a key part to this, Glenn. There's no replacement. You say that now. I mean, yeah, we can replace <laughs> you. <that. Yeah. laughs> I mean, uh, me and Matt are taking interviews, but we just wanted to make you feel good. Yeah, That's you're good. Right. You're good for the moment, anyway. I, I'm comfortable. I got prospects. I'm all right. There you go. <laughs> No, but Chris, let everybody out there that doesn't know already, how do they get to your YouTube channel to check out your videos? All right, well, everybody, thank y'all for paying attention to me and dealing with me and everything. You can find me on Titans and Truth on YouTube. Uh, all the episodes are on there, and I'll be having one coming up on training camp. Also, hit me up on Facebook at Chris A. Newell, and also on Instagram at blue underscore enforcer that's E N number four E R nineteen fourteen. Um I'll definitely put a couple of clips there as well. So that's where you can find me and also on Music City Miracles. I write under Blue Enforcer uh on Music City Miracles website and come check me out and I'm not hard to find. So thanks to Two Tone for having me on. Oh thanks, thanks for, for coming here, man. on man. It's always a pleasure to have you on. And for anybody who wants to see Chris, we're going to tag him in uh, our Facebook and our Twitter posts so you'll be able to see his Facebook and Twitter to get to it. Uh, and if you're not watching his YouTube stuff, you definitely should. Really good stuff there. Informative. You know, just like he was on the show. Informative and very funny guy. One other thing I wanted to say was congratulations to all of these new Hall of Fame fans that got inducted uh, on the last show. And uh, hopefully, maybe next year, uh, my name gets added to the list. Oh, shit. <laughs> you're oh, you're probably, early. Yeah, you're probably an early favorite. I'm not gonna, we're not going to lie. But uh, there's nothing wrong with campaigning. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it always works. <laughs> Definitely um, good, a good conversation, though, man. Appreciate you for coming on. Hey, I appreciate it. Thanks. All right, again, another big thanks for Chris Newell for coming on the show. Uh, for anybody who didn't catch it, it's N-E-W-A-L-L, uh, that's how you spell his last name, to find him on Facebook. Blue Enforcer, to, to find him on Twitter or on um, Instagram. Oh, Instagram. But that's all we have for the show. Thanks, everybody, for listening. A little bit of extra long show. We kind of felt bad about last week bringing the short show, but you know it's hard with families and everything and the 4th of July going on. If you haven't already, definitely check out the website, TTU podcast.com it's up we have the the fan hall of fame all the good stuff on there you can listen to the show on there uh, a bunch of different stuff that you can do we're really excited about it really happy to bring it to everybody 
So definitely check it out if you haven't already. And we're going to ask everybody, no matter how you listen, if you listen on iTunes, on you know Podcast Addict, Google Play, tune in, however you listen, give us, you know, give us a five star rating. Or, you know, if you don't think we're that good, give us a little <laughs> lower rating, but hopefully give us that five star rating. We're, that helps us put the show out there more. People more people will see it. If you really like the show, want to see it, keep it going. Uh just give us a good rating on there. That way more people can see it and can interact with the show and and it helps us keep going. So definitely if you enjoy hearing the show, give us a good rating out there. We definitely, definitely appreciate it. it. It's only going to get better. We're going to start doing a little more different things. The website's going to be a lot more interactive once the season gets started, once there's more actual news. I think we're the only real weekly podcast out there right now covering the Titans. I don't know what the anyone only. else is talking about. Yeah, I mean, it is what it is. This is, the, this is July. We're fucking... We're dying out here, but we're still coming out with something. So <laughs> when there's actual news and actual shit going on, it's only going to get better. But, you know, our numbers are still growing and it's only going to get better. So if you're a fan now, you know, the best is yet to come. Absolutely. We have some big things still coming down the pipe. You know, we got some some good ideas coming forward. And, you know, I, like Matt said, it's only going to get better. We have a lot of, a lot of stuff we're working on for the show. We want to make it. You know, the best podcast out there, the best sports podcast, the best NFL podcast, and definitely the best Titans podcast. So, giving us good ratings, keep giving us the encouragement, and we'll definitely keep coming back with more. But that's, like I said, all we have for the show. Thanks again for Chris for coming on. Always like having him on, even though this is only his second show. He's been a good co-host with us. And a big thanks, as I do every week, uh, to my co-hosts, Matt and Glenn, that make this show possible and make this show fun. So big thanks to you guys. And as always, tighten up. We're great. Tighten up. I've been. T-T-U-Podcast.com. Thanks for listening to the Two-Tone Uncensored Podcast. You can listen to the show at twotoneuncensored.podbean.com or by downloading the Podbean app on your mobile device. Be sure to follow the show on Twitter at Two Tone Uncensored and like us on Facebook. <laughs>